T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This past week, a Democratic candidate stood near the spot here in downtown Chicago where a young African-American woman was shot to death. And he talked about the violence that can strike anywhere and what can be done about it. He also talked about running for governor. This week, we're going to talk with one of the more recent entries into the governor's race, T.O. Hardiman. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. About three weeks ago, community activist and anti-violence veteran T.O. Hardiman announced that he, too, is running to be governor of Illinois. He's entered a crowded Democratic field that includes a billionaire, J.B. Pritzker, a multimillionaire, Christopher Kennedy, a state lawmaker, Senator Daniel Biss, a Chicago alderman, Amaya Pawar, and more. And they all want the chance to challenge Republican incumbent multimillionaire Bruce Rauner. But this is not T.O. Hardiman's first campaign for governor. He ran in 2014, and he garnered about 30% of the vote against then-incumbent Democratic Governor Pat Quinn. T.O. Hardiman is executive director of the Violence Interrupters, a uh, not-for-profit group that tries to quell violence in the neighborhoods before it happens. Prior to that, he worked with, and for a time, directed Ceasefire. That's the renowned anti-violence group that treats gang violence as a public health emergency. Mr. Hardiman has been trying to bring the concept of violence interrupters to as many places as he can, but now he's taking another run at the governor's seat, and he is with me in the studio. T.O. Hardiman, welcome back. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to be here. Um, Well, if people know you at all, they know you as an outspoken activist on issues of violence, and the numbers show that you have helped reduce violence in the areas where you've worked. So why run for governor in a race where, on finances alone, you'd have to be rated as a long shot? Well, the thing is, I'm running as a regular candidate um, right now here in the city of Chicago and here throughout the state of Illinois. We have to stop thinking that just because a, a person is a billionaire or a multimillionaire, they're entitled to become the governor of the state of Illinois. Allow the people to speak their voices and vote, vote for the candidate of their choice. And I plan to hit the ground running throughout the entire state and garner as much support as I can uh, on, on the ground level. Well, Bruce Rauner has billed himself as the tough businessman who can straighten out the state's finances. He hasn't passed a budget so far, but he blames uh, mm-hmm. House Speaker Michael Madigan. Who do you blame for the situation that we're in right now and the special session that we're in right now? Well, you have a clash of the titans right now. Bruce Rauner and Mike Madigan must take the blame for not passing the budget. Uh, everybody points fingers at Bruce Rauner, and I do believe that Bruce Rauner is one of the worst governors the state of Illinois has ever witnessed. But at the same time, Mike Madigan is really the unofficial governor. People don't want to say that. He's like the godfather down there in Springfield. And both those guys are stepping on the poor and working class people here in the great state of Illinois by not passing a budget. But what is motivating that? Uh, what, what do you think is going on? Is this just people being, the regular people being caught in the middle? Or is, is there something deeper? Well, it's the regular people being caught in the middle. middle. It's been that way for a long time because 
everybody that's in that position of governor and the, uh, the House Speaker, for example, they're robbing Peter to pay Paul throughout the last 30 years. It's, it's an ongoing cycle of just misusing taxpayers' funds and mismanaging the state's business here. And Bruce Rauner, uh, he ran on the premise that he was going to shake up Springfield, but the only people he's shaking up is the poor and working-class people of Illinois once again. And Mike Madigan continues to get a, like a little escape route because nobody wants to call Mike Madigan out for his uh, misdeeds of be- being a House Speaker. Well, he's also the chairman of the uh, Illinois Democratic Party. Right. Uh, hmm. What do you, do you believe that term limits, the kind of thing Governor Rauner is calling for, mm-hmm is the way to go term limits that's a good proposition i believe that a lot of the lawmakers have become comfortable in their positions and they vote any way that mike madigan would tell them to vote and bruce rounder but he's he's uh fighting an uphill battle there's no way in the world that bruce rounder is going to defeat mike madigan who's been in office for decades that's not going to happen and mike madigan is going to get his way no matter what but in the meantime you have closed down mental health facilities you have a uh, poor funding. you know you don't have enough funding for the schools you have a lot of issues going on in the state, and while, while the state is, see, there's an old African proverb, while the elephants fight, the grass suffer. And that's what's happening right now in the state of Illinois, because you have two egos that are bumping heads, but they're not thinking about the people that put them in office. They're thinking about their own ego right now. Well, if Mike Madigan, if he is so powerful, mm-hmm. and if he's not going anywhere, then that means if you manage to be elected Mm -hmm. governor, you would have to deal with him. Why would you be any more successful Mm -hmm. dealing with House Speaker Madigan than either Governor Rauner or, frankly, Mm -hmm. even Pat Quinn, who also had difficulties with him? Well, my thing is we have to accept Mike Madigan for who he is. I plan to work with him because he's not going anywhere. That doesn't mean I agree with him on all of his different uh, issues or policies. Uh, Mike Madigan is a seasoned veteran, and he controls the state with an iron fist, even though it doesn't appear to be that way, but that's the way it is. So my thing is to work with Mike Madigan. I I cannot fight, put out fires everywhere. You have to work with the powers that be, and then eventually you can win them over. I have a history of being a peacemaker, and my plan is to bring my peacemaking skills to Springfield and bring the Republicans and the Democrats together on key issues that concern the people here in the state of Illinois. All right, make the case for someone who is best known as a peacemaker uh, being able to handle the landscape of Illinois state politics and the legislative politics. What do you bring to the table that a Daniel Biss, who is a veteran lawmaker down there, or... Uh, you know, the other businessmen running uh, don't have. Well, I, I'm an outspoken individual, number one. And what I bring to the table is like passion, commitment, and a vision. I have a 2020 plan which represents a perfect vision for the state of Illinois. And I know for a fact that a lot of people that are, you know, already in office, they're saying, here, come, here comes this guy, Teal Hardiman, again. But if people would take a good look at my track record, they can see that I can make changes here in the state and help out everybody throughout the state of Illinois. I plan to bring forth a solution to curtail and end some of the violence in Chicago. Nobody running for governor right now has a plan to stop killings in Chicago. I plan to uh, impose a, a what you might say a LaSalle Street tax on the mercantile exchange where you got all these business transactions taking place every day and that, that can bring in billions, billions of dollars to the state budget so we can kind of like uh, increase funding for schools, 
offset the pension crisis. And once I start talking to everybody about my 2020 plan, I believe that people will uh, pay attention and then we can kind of garner the support from the legislative body there in the General Assembly here in Illinois. Well, you know, the uh, the business community has been fighting yeah. any attempt to impose a transaction right. tax on uh, the financial markets. Uh, first off, that would certainly cut off any support you might get from the business community right. in terms of money. But it also, the, some voters might be afraid what they're going to hear is that that's the kind of thing that would send some of the exchanges that can now operate from anywhere because of technology away from Chicago. Well, you know, the exchange, the mercantile exchange has been in Chicago for decades as well. I don't see them going anywhere, but we need to have a discussion about how we can tax some of those business transactions. Maybe we can tax them on different layers of taxing. We don't have to just tax them so strong right in the door, but just the same way with the, for example, the minimum wage increased to $15 an hour. There's layers of, uh, there's, uh, you know, like layers of the uh, increase. In other words, you know, like give people $12 this year, it'll go to twelve fifty the next year. Why not just do the same thing with the mercantile exchange? So you won't hurt people and penalize people right away. But for far too long, they've been getting away with not paying no taxes and, and the state needs the money. So what Rounder, what Governor Rounder is doing, it's hard for me to call him governor because this guy came, uh, won that office based on the fact that he was going to work it all out, knowing when, once he got there, it was not going to be easy at all. And it's not. And now the state is suffering. People are hurting out here. People are not getting there. Uh, for example, you got small businesses going under because they, they don't have the money that, that they were supposed to be reimbursed by the state to pay their bills. And they're going under. Bruce Rounder can care less about those type of small business owners especially people dealing in the Medicaid, Medicare uh, business and people that have state contracts, they're not getting paid right now. There's a $14.3 billion deficit. Mm. And, and it's one that could go into the 20s if uh, right. there's no budget you know, within, the next, uh, within the next year. Um, per- I, perhaps you don't want to give Governor Rauner any advice, but if you were in his position, mm-hmm. what would you do? What I would do if I was in Governor Rauner's position, I would do my best to have a one-on-one meeting with Mike Madigan and see if we can reach a compromise. Because right now the people are depending on a compromise here. And then what happens, guys like Bruce Rauner, they create this chaos with the state saying that they're overspending, they're doing this wrong and doing whatever. But the reality is that the state has been functioning before Bruce Rauner got here. Now, the first time we had a, the, the first and the last time we had a surplus in the state budget was under Governor Jim Edgar. You know, give him credit where it's due. Rounder's not that guy. He's not the one because Rounder came in with, with a lot of animosity, a whole lot of people. He had targets. You know, he was targeting people. He actually supported campaigns running against some incumbent, you know, like uh, state reps and a few senators. And uh, the reality, he came in because he's a billionaire. See, once again, we got this billionaire syndrome going on. Just because he has money, that doesn't entitle him to become the governor. And let me say this quickly, if you don't mind. Yeah, J.B. Prisker, he's running for governor. He recently deposited a million dollars in a black owned bank on the south side of Chicago. That's the same thing Bruce Rauner did when he ran for governor. Now, the reality is you're dealing with billionaires, which means plural. He could have deposited a billion dollars in a black owned bank if he was really concerned about helping people in the African-American community. Why do it now? Because you're running for governor. See, everybody's trying to step up to the plate now, saying everything that they've done in the community. I've been on the streets for over 20 years, putting in work on every level. I've been in conferences with Prime Minister David Cameron during my career, Queen North from Jordan. If people don't believe me, I have pictures on my Facebook page. <laughs> I've met with people from all walks of society, from, from the bottom level to the top. 
So I'm the guy that can unify. I'm the great unifier here in the state of Illinois. Well, let's talk about the kind of campaign you're going to have to run. First off, mm-hmm. several African-American elected officials, including a number of Chicago aldermen, are supporting J.B. Pritzker. Right. Um, many have known him for years. They say he's worked in the trenches mm-hmm. for progressive politics. What do you think about him falls short? Well, I think uh, people are giving misinformation about him working in the trenches for progressive politics, number one, because whenever a lot of African-American uh, elected officials endorse a guy like J.B. Prisker, they will say anything because the guy's a billionaire and because the machine is leaning in his direction. So they're going to make their case. So what happens is billionaires, they go pay a few African-American aldermen, a few preachers to do their bidding for them in the community to make them look good and acceptable to the masses of the people. But in reality, let's look at some numbers here. We have a 14.2% unemployment rate for African-American people statewide. We're number one in the nation. And that happened before the J.B. Prisker decided to run. That's happened even when you had uh, Quinn in office. It happened uh, throughout, throughout the years here. So the reality is we have a serious problem in the African-American community. But running for governor, we have to look, look uh, to run for everybody. I'm not just running for African-American people. I'm running for white votes, Hispanic votes, the African-African vote. I want everybody, their mothers, their grandmothers, extended family members to vote for me. I know people in Decatur, East St. Louis, Peoria, Kankakee, Champaign-Urbana, Lake County. I know people all over the great state of Illinois. So I'm asking people to take a look at a regular candidate and stop worrying about the money because I plan to raise enough money to secure my place on the ballot. And once I secure my position on the ballot, hopefully I'll win the lottery again and become number one on the ballot. And then we'll raise more money for TV commercials and uh, a lot of radio time. But how do you raise enough money to even get your message out uh, in an atmosphere where a couple of the big stars yeah. uh, are basically, they're like planets. They, they, <laughs> they soak up right. the, the, the light. They soak up all right. the money. Well, if the media were to play me right, I would be seen as the front runner. And I'll tell you why. Because I secured 28.1% in 2014. I'm, the, I'm running again. The guys that are running now, they never ran before. I'm talking about in the, on the Democratic side. And I would be the front runner. The only mistake I made is I should have just jumped out the gate first. <laughs> so I waited a minute. I thought about it. I prayed on it. But I have a surprise running mate that's going to run with me that I think is going to garner a whole lot of attention and support as well. Okay, and and I don't suppose you're going to reveal that now, are <laughs> Not you? Not right now, um, right? But let me yeah. play devil's advocate on the yes. on, on the on the 2014 election. Yes, because Governor Quinn was an incumbent. It's 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 rare when incumbents are challenged at all. Right. Um, that was fairly low turnout for uh mm-hmm. for. A, a statewide election, you won a, what, 125,000? 100, yeah, 125,500 votes. Yes. Uh, now, and he won 70% of the votes, so right. it was a, a little bit more than twice as much as you. But still, the turnout was kind of low. If people had thought that it was a competitive election, couldn't yeah. it have gone a different way? Well, what hurt me in actuality is that I didn't have enough money for TV commercials. Providing I would have raised at least, I, I could have uh, defeated Pat Quinn with about $500,000 because I could have got my TV ads all over the place. One of my videos actually went viral, had 100,000 views. So, you know, I'm the kind of guy, I have a lot of energy. I know how to communicate with people. And that was one downfall. I didn't have, uh, I, didn't, I raised a little money later on, but I didn't have enough. For t- I, was in the, I was at the start of purchasing TV commercials, but I couldn't get them out in time enough. And I think that hurt me a little bit, but I've learned from that uh, first run. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and we're talking with T.O. Hardiman, 
anti-violence activist and a candidate for governor of Illinois. Let's uh, talk about, uh, well, a little bit more about the campaign. I, I do want to uh, first ask you about uh, the Cook County Democratic Party. Uh, this week they had their pre-slate-making. Right. Uh, first off, I don't know, did you go to that? No, I, I wasn't invited, really. Uh, and But uh, I suppose you could have shown up, but... but, but, but First off, does it matter if the party does get behind a particular candidate? Uh, uh, Chris Kennedy mm-hmm. went before them and said, "Don't endorse. This is this should be an open primary, right. uh, and it's it's really wrong for the party to to take sides at this point." Uh, obviously, the party's going to do what the party wants to do. Does first off, is it right? And second, does it matter? Well, this is the thing. It matters to a degree because the Cook County Democratic Party, they have a lot of relationships with uh, counties all throughout the state. So sometimes counties agree with other counties. Uh, So uh, Chris Kennedy was right. Don't endorse. Let the voters decide who they would like to support. But at the same time, the Cook County Democratic Party, they follow the lead of Mike Madigan as well. So they're going to do whatever uh, Mike Madigan tells them to do, to, to make a long story short. And I never expected to be invited or endorsed by the Cook County Party. But let's take a look at the presidential election for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hillary Clinton, she uh, she's not the president. She was endorsed here in Cook County throughout the state. Of, she did good in Illinois, without a doubt. But the reality, she's not the president. So therefore, you have something else like percolating throughout the uh, universe. A lot of people are, are tired of uh, the same old politics. I would like to be seen as a different candidate, somebody that understands people on all levels of society. Okay, that's what I would like to be seen as that person who took on the machine and won the popular vote here in Illinois. Uh, My plan and my goal is to go out and do my best to secure 350 to 400,000 votes in the Democratic primary. I know it's an uphill battle, but that's one of my goals. One of the things that people are going to be thinking about when they go to the polls is the pocketbook. And... Mm. You pointed out the joblessness in the African-American community. That's not the only community that's right. having trouble with uh, with jobs. Illinois needs more jobs. What mm-hmm. do you think could bring more of jobs to people? Well, tax incentives for a lot of these corporations out here. You have to meet with the corporations, see what's going to work for them to move to Illinois. You know, I have a lot of associates down in Decatur. Decatur needs a lot of help. East St. Louis has been like a... Um, in the same condition it's been in for years. If you go visit East St. Louis, a lot of good people there. St. Clair County, they vote a lot down in St. Clair County, one of the biggest counties, but the conditions of East St. Louis have not been changed over the last 30 years. We need help down there, so my plan is to meet with some corporations and see if they would build one of their headquarters in East St. Louis. Uh, look at Peoria, I could say Decatur. Uh, we look at cities like Champaign-Urbana. You had a university there. They're doing a university town. They're doing okay, uh, you know, to a degree. Springfield, We people need help throughout the entire state. So my plan is to meet with business owners, corporation, the heads of the corporations, and see what we can do to get them to move some of their satellite offices to hire three or 400 people in those type of cities and towns. Uh, I do want to get back to, mm-hmm. uh, to gun violence for yes. a little bit because... That is the other big headline that mm-hmm. is grabbing people's attention, not just here in Illinois, but across the country. Right. Um, and and you've said that, uh, well, first of all, let me ask you, what do you think Mayor Emanuel and, and uh, Bruce Rauner are not doing that they should be doing? Well, this might not be the most popular answer in the world, <laughs> but Mayor Rahm Emanuel and Bruce Rauner cannot do anything to stop the killings in Chicago. 
And the reason why is because African-American people, once again, must step up to the plate and address their own people. Over 85 percent of the killings that occur in Chicago take place in the African-American community. So therefore, it's incumbent upon African-American political leaders, faith based leaders, community leaders and people on all levels to work with the young men in their community to hopefully get them to put their guns down and seek peace opposed to killing everybody. That's something that has not been done. Everybody's waiting on the police to step up another program. If you put the police on desk duty for 30 days and most of these community programs on desk duty, you might see a reduction in killings in Chicago because everybody is in response mode. Everybody wants to pray and march after the killing. I've been a part of those marches and prayers myself. Don't get me wrong, but that's what everybody's in response mode. It's easy to talk about stopping the killings after the killing happened. But what can you do to stop it on the front end? On behalf of violence and erupters, I have staff that go out and mediate conflicts before the shots are fired. This work is not for the faint at heart. I'm the only person running for governor that can stop killings in cities like Chicago, Decatur, Champaign, Urbana. You know, like I say, I'm running for the entire state. So I have to think about everybody in the state of Illinois. But that's the only way you're going to stop killing black people. African-American people must deal with their own people to address the violence. If Irish kids were being killed by Irish men, if uh, Italian kids were being killed, you know, the list goes on and on. The people in those communities would address their own people. I guarantee you that. The Mexican community used to be a high violent community once upon a time. You still have shootings and killings in the Latino community, but it's nowhere near what it used to be. I'm talking about Humble Park, you know, like over there with the Latino, mm-hmm. the Puerto Rican brothers. Little Village. You don't have the killings in those communities that you used to have because them guys in those communities have actually come to the table and trying to deal with their own issues. What do you think, if, if people in the community, if African-American uh, clergy and, and community leaders mm-hmm. aren't being successful at doing that, what do you think is keeping people from being successful? Is it fear of, of the game, I mean, because some people are just, some people in the neighborhoods are afraid to go out. Well, black death is a hustle. The reason why people are scared to either deal with it because a lot of people making a name for themselves off the killings in Chicago. Even the superintendent, the mayor, now you got the guy, the CEO of uh, Facebook coming to Chicago, having like a little session with everybody. Anybody can talk good game once people been killed, once again. But the thing is this here, when you go out and try to stop a guy from killing somebody, number one, it's mandatory that you have a relationship with that individual because they're not going to listen to a stranger. And it's mandatory that people are trained in the field of conflict resolution and gang mediation. What I propose as governor is to uh, set up a training. I already have a training. I have a, a training curriculum for violence and eruption services. Train police officers in, in the field of conflict resolution so they can help stop some killings on the front end. And train community leaders in that field as well. And then organize an African-American commu- community like never before to address this issue in their, in their own community. Um, how much do you think an effort like that would cost? It only costs about, see, this is the thing. Everybody talks about money when it comes down to stopping the violence. It's not about the money. If we don't change the way these young men think out here and deal with this issue as a people, we're going to continue to go through this cycle year after year. And I looked at homicide numbers all the way back to 1928. You had over 400 homicides in 1928. So this is a problem that's been in Chicago for decades, almost over about close to 100 years. So the thing is this here. It's not always about the money. We can raise the money later on. Right now, black men 
Everybody listening to what I'm saying now, they know what I'm talking about. Black men have got to step up. The African-American women have been doing the best they can do. Now it's time for the brothers, the fathers, and the uncles to do their job and deal with their own, their own relatives that are out there involved in this violence. Um, not to uh, suggest that this is a solution, but is Mayor Emanuel going in the right direction proposing expanded mentorship pro- programs? Mentorship programs are good. That's fine. But the reality is you still got a certain segment of the population that are not involved in mentorship programs. See, you have a small percentage of young men that are, you know, keeping up most of the problems anyway. Superintendent Eddie Johnson continues to say they have a list of 1,400 individuals that are driving the violence. If that be the case, why do you wait for those guys to break the law? Why not support those guys and try to get them on on the right track in their lives before they cross the line? See, those guys need the resource because if it's true that 1,400 individuals are driving the violence, then you have their names, their numbers, and their addresses. Do some uh, extensive outreach to those individuals and try to help them, uh, you know, become productive members of society. Are they going to trust the people who come knocking on their doors? Well, that's when you, you know, that's when you uh, employ people like violence interrupters, people that have expertise in this field of working with high risk individuals. And you have many other programs out there as well. Now, that's something I would look at as a governor. Now, also, when it comes down to the Illinois Department of Corrections, you have like about a 51, 52 percent recidivism rate. I plan to turn medium and minimum security penitentiaries into institutions of higher learning so I can make sure and ensure the people of Illinois, when these young men and women are released, they're going to come home with a bachelor's degree or an associate's degree, and we're going to connect them right to some job placement as soon as they uh, are released from the prison. Uh, Let me touch on another couple of issues uh, before we run out of time, which we will very (laughs) soon. Uh, One, uh, Governor Rauner turned down what could have been a deal to sell the uh, Thompson Center property. It's right. mostly a, uh, it seems to be a political dispute between him and Mayor Emanuel. But bottom line, should the state be able to sell and does the state really need to sell that uh, that property that uh, that that building sits on? Well, you know, the word is the building is old and have a lot of repairs need to be done on the building. It's okay to sell the building if it's going to bring some income into the state. And once again, the Battle of the Titans, it's a political move. Now it's Rahm Emanuel, who's best friends with Governor Rauner, really. So behind closed doors, they still might meet and chop it up, drink a little wine, and just talk to one another, even though they, they get an appearance that they're like battling one another. It's all what you call politics and theatrics, okay? That's what I call that, politics and theatrics. Mm. Um. And also, how do you assure people in suburban areas and in rural Illinois that you can meet their needs and interests, too, that you will be as adept at dealing with their problems as you obviously uh, could be with problems in the urban areas? Well, yeah, I met with a lot of the farmers down in Bloomington uh, when I ran the first time, Bloomington Normal Area, some of the rural areas here in Illinois. And I got a lot of support from down. Like I said, we won 30 counties downstate. That came from me meeting with a lot of people, uh, listening to their concerns. So my thing is to help uh, provide the farmers here in Illinois with incentives as well to help them continue their businesses and, and make Illinois strong when it comes down to the farming industry, agricultural industry, make sure they get everything they need. Um, are you going to have even enough money? Uh, are you getting enough support, you say, to get yourself on the ballot, uh, but to get that mm-hmm. this message out. 
and so that people will be willing to sign the petitions and also to make sure that you have enough people to properly mm-hmm. circulate petitions. I have enough people already. We have 500 volunteers, and I plan to hit the ground running. And when you look up uh, Craig and everybody in, in Chicago and throughout Illinois, you're going to see uh, Teal Hardman marching with uh, thousands of people real soon throughout the entire Chicago land and throughout the state, Decatur, that's one of the spots where we're going to have big marches, Peoria, Champaign-Urbana, Springfield, and East St. Louis. We plan to hit the ground like never before and mobilize the spirit of the people. I plan to wake up a lot of disenfranchised voters. Uh, what do you think is the one thing that's going to bring people out? Motivation, it- motivating people and talking about the key issues that concern the great people of the state of Illinois. My plan is to attract the working class voters, the poor voters, the homeless voters, the recovering community, uh, the community at large, everybody. I plan to work with a lot of the women out here, increase funding for domestic violence shelters, early childhood programs, mental health, mental health services, and I plan to increase that uh, minimum wage to $15. I try and, as I meet with legislators, we're going to propose the $15 uh, as soon as possible, minimum wage. That's going to be the final word. That is T.O. Hardiman, candidate for governor and uh, longtime anti-violence activist. Thank you for spending the half hour with us. Uh, To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is cbschicago.com. You can follow the audio links. You can also find our podcasts on play.it. I'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t